Welcome to the resource room. I'm Amanda, the blogger and TPTer behind the Primary Gal. As a special education teacher, you are always supporting others, students, parents, general education teachers. But who is supporting you? That's where this podcast comes in. It's my mission to give you the help and support that you need. I'll be sharing my tips, tricks, research-based strategies, and professional development. I'm here to help you grow and learn as a resource room teacher. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Well, hello, hello, and welcome back to the Resource Room Podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about a question that I have seen so much lately, and that is, what the heck do you do in a resource room? As we know with education, the trends shift back and forth. For a while, it was all pull out all day. And then we went away from that and went to inclusion and we had a lot of push in. Maybe even pull out was forbidden. Now I feel like we're shifting a little bit back more to the resource room where pull out is acceptable, it is wanted, it's needed. And so that puts a lot of teachers again, in the resource room Facebook group asking, oh my gosh, I've been doing co-teaching for the last six years or the last 10 years. What do I do in a resource room? Well, guess what? The resource room podcast is here to help with that because that's what I've been doing for the last, uh, let's see, seven years now. The number one goal of the resource room is to address the IEP goals. So for a lot of our kids, they have qualified because they are multiple grade levels behind in one or more subject areas. So we've written goals to help them maybe with decoding, maybe to memorize some high frequency words, maybe to improve their comprehension, improve their ability to write, to read fluently, whatever it is that has been chosen for an IEP goal, which could have been by you, or it could have been chosen by a previous special education teacher somewhere down the line, that that has been chosen as an area of concern for them. So your time in the resource room is to help them improve in that area. And the beauty of the resource room is that you get to do that through small group work, which is honestly what I love about our job, is that we get to really break down a skill And when we first start something, it often looks very ugly. It looks awful. It's very difficult. Our kids aren't able to do it and we support them sometimes a lot. And slowly as the year goes on, in your resource room, you'll see your kids becoming more independent, need less support from you on that particular skill. So one example that comes to mind is I had a student who, um, actually I'll have him again this year, but really I had him as a first and a second grader and didn't get to have him last year in third. But with him, when we first started in first grade and we were working on spelling and decoding CVC words, I'll focus for this example on spelling. He needed me to say the word like pig, and then I would need to say the And he could match the sounds with letter tiles. So when I said, he could look at those and he knew exactly what letter said or or he knew all of those. And over time, 
then we would kind of switch roles where now I want you to say the sounds. You segment that word, which is a hard skill for kids. But, you know, maybe he had a month of listening to me and I'm obviously there to help him that if he does mess it up, we're not going to misspell the word. I can, you know, correct in the moment. So with him, he could then say the sounds and I could match the letters. Then over time, he began doing both. Or maybe I would start it and he would finish it. Or he would start it and I could finish it. So over time, we're minimizing that level of support. And what I love is in the resource room, we have that time. We have an entire year to work on that goal. In the resource room, we also get the opportunity to teach them how to use tools like letter tiles or hundreds charts or multiplication charts. How can we use those to do everyday tasks or to do things at our level with a little more independence? And that really gives them more confidence. So if you are just starting a resource room, if you are have just been hired into a job where you will be working as a resource room teacher, congratulations, you're gonna love it. But what I want you to know is that your number one job is to work on those IEP goals. And if you go back and binge any other episodes, you'll know that if those IEP goals are not really appropriate because they're too hard or too easy or just poorly written, go change those to be something that you want to work on in your resource room and work on those IEP goals. That is your number one job. So as with teaching, we know nothing is that easy, right? That's your number one job, work on their IEP goals. But there are a couple of other things that you can or might want to consider as you work out a routine in your classroom. The first of which is providing test accommodations. So for me, I prefer, I I don't even want it to be like, oh, I have to. No, I prefer to give all of my students their reading and math tests because for a lot of our kids, those are the only grades going in the grade book. And even with the accommodations, it may not be stellar, but it's definitely going to be better than if they did it independently in their classroom. Even if it's just, you know, not even that I'm reading it out loud to them, but even if it's to be like, hey, pay attention, I'm on number three. Or you didn't read those, you just colored in an answer. Slow it down, look at number three. Those to me are just as important as reading it out loud to them, that kind of thing. So another important component, but maybe not the number one, is to be providing testing accommodations to them. It's also a wonderful, wonderful time to be like, no, you're going to use your hundreds chart. Ooh, you need to use your multiplication chart. You're going to use that. Remember, that's there to help you use your tools, help them learn those tools. So I love, and like I said, I prefer to give those. I will have some teachers who have told me before, oh, I just gave it with them, you know, with me. And it's like, that's fine. I Sometimes it's wonderful because I have a busy day or it's been a crazy week or whatever. And it's like, oh, thank you. But on the day-to-day, I prefer to be able to do it so that I can see what they're doing. I can see gaps. I can help support where needed. And even if I have five students at my table, 
the support that I'm giving to each of them can be individualized based on maybe as I'm reading out loud for one student, I'm also pointing to where I'm reading so that they can focus and concentrate. For another student, maybe I'm just giving them prompts and reminders of, remember, use your hundreds chart. So I also believe that it's important to give those testing accommodations yourself so that you know that they are being done well. And the last thing that I want to share is really honestly my last priority in the resource room. This is if time allows. This depends a lot on the size of your caseload, the intensity of some of your students. For some of our kids, yeah, maybe you only have 10 or 15 kids, but they are high needs kids, which is why you only have 10 or 15. So we all know that this, you know, that things vary. So for me, this is if I can, great. If I can't, sorry. And that is reteaching or helping support what they are doing in the grade level classroom. So here's an example of what I did this past year. And again, remember last year, I only had fourth grade students. So I had a lot of them, but I wasn't trying to support multiple grade levels, which kind of just locks down your schedule a bit more. But with those fourth graders, we had very, very small groups for reading and math, all of that, working on their IEP goals. But I did have a little 20 minute block where I pulled a lot of kids, more than what I typically do. And we just worked on whatever their math skill was that week. So if they were working on division, we worked on division and we would just drill and drill and drill. And again, learn to use those tools. So if we're working on long division in fourth grade, my kids don't have multiplication facts memorized. So they think they can't do long division. But guess what, honey? You have a sheet with all of those answers sitting right in front of you. So you can do this. And, but they need to learn how to use those tools. They need to learn how to use the supports that they have available to them. Now, it's last here because it really is least. It really is something that if you have time, fabulous, do that. But you are accountable for their IEP goals. You're not accountable for making sure that they know how to add and subtract fractions. If you can, fabulous. Obviously, we want our kids to be able to do that. So I don't want to like minimize that skill. But if they're still working on addition and subtraction of basic numbers, fractions are going to seem kind of overwhelming. So you can take some time to fill in the gaps. That's totally fine. And they can worry about the fractions later. But if your schedule allows, this is such a rewarding time. It is something that they need. If I could change anything about my job, it would be to have more time for things like this. For example, next year I'll have kindergarten first and fourth. I'm, I haven't sat down to like map out a schedule, but if I had to bet money, I would say it's going to be awful tough to be able to support them in reading and in math in all the subjects. So if that is you, here's what I do. I want you to also encourage and talk to your paraprofessionals who are most likely pushing in to teach them how to use their hundreds chart, their multiplication chart, teach them some of those tricks. I think that takes time for you and for them to get comfortable of knowing like Amanda would make them use this multiplication chart. 
That takes time. But feel free to encourage those conversations. Some of those same tools that I hang on the side of their desk, my parents carry also with them when they go push into classrooms so that they have a multiplication chart. They have a hundreds chart so that they can use those right along with the kids to show them how to use that, to put it up on the dry erase board at the back table or something and show them this is how we do this. So if you can do it in your resource room, great. That's because I'm a control freak and I want to do it. But if not, that is something that you can encourage your parents to do when they're out and about in the classrooms. This season has been all about various questions that I've seen in the resource room Facebook group. So first off, thank you for asking those. And thank you to everybody else who chimes in with their answers. It's perfect. And I hope that you as a listener either had questions answered or even maybe as you were thinking like, oh, I never thought about that. Got a few handy ideas to use and to try this upcoming year. Next week on the podcast, I'll be starting a brand new series all about paperwork and how to make it easier, how to work smarter, not harder, and how to hopefully have a really, really good plan either going into the school year or by now, some of you have probably started or will be heading back very, very soon. So going into or as you begin this year, I want you to have a very solid plan for completing all of that paperwork. So I'll see you then. Well, my friend, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to the Resource Room Podcast. I truly, truly love to help and support other special ed teachers. Because of that, I run a Facebook group just for us. Search the Resource Room and request to join. You can also check out my website, theprimarygal.com, for blog posts, pictures, and more information. Until next time, have a great week.